Hi everyone, my name is Pete Finn and I am a lecturer in the Department of Politics at Kingston University and this is the COVID-19 and Democracy podcast. And on this week's podcast, we are returning to an issue which um, was a sort of a, a, a side issue, but a really big side issue in a series of podcasts that I recorded just prior to the elections in London that um, were part of a big suite of elections across the UK. Um, last month and this is the issue of um, low traffic neighbourhoods. Now um, full disclosure I didn't really realise how much of an issue this would be when I began recording the episode so to be honest I wasn't entirely uh, prepared to kind of deal with the issue at the time and so that's why we're circling back to it now because it's become a really divisive um, and interesting issue in politics within London and I think it's probably got something um, to say or uh, something to feed into broader debates moving forward, certainly around policies related to how we mitigate and manage climate change. So um, on the episode to talk about this, I've got two really interesting um, guests. And so firstly, thank you for them for coming on. I've got Paul Wheeler, who is a long-term Labour member, and he's also um, the founder of the London Cyclists with a Conscience, which sounds like a fantastic group. Um, and he has written on um, low tran London tran me, low transport uh, um, neighbourhoods for on London. And I'll put the link to that in the show notes. And you can follow Paul on Twitter and his Twitter handle will be in the show notes as well. I've also got Neil Reynolds, who is running in local elections in Hanwell next year in Ealing for the Green Party. And likewise, you can follow Neil on Twitter and I'll put his handle in the um, show notes as well. So Paul and Neil, welcome to the podcast and thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you. Okay, yeah, good to be here. Thanks for asking us. <laughs> You're both very welcome indeed. So um, this, just to start off and to set some context, this might seem like an obvious question, um, but to start off with, um, and I guess we can go to both of you and see uh, what <laughs> you may well have differing views on lots of these questions, which is, I guess, partly why um, we've got you on. Um, I guess we, so we can start with Paul. Paul, what is a low traffic neighbourhood in, in, in a London context? Well, that's a very good question, because I think it means different things to different people. Um, I, I've heard it being argued, you know, to um, obviously reduce traffic, to improve road safety. I think occasionally people say reduce obesity, although, you know, um, quite how that's a miracle cure in itself, presumably by increasing cycling. So I think it's one of those things, and it's been around for a long time, people will comment on this, and I think one of the points about why it's different now, and it comes back to the very title of this, COVID, and uh, rather, low traffic neighbours and democracy, is the most contentious ones, because as we said, we've had them for years, whether they're called safe streets or school streets, are the ones that seem to block off an entire neighbourhood and either deliberately or unintentionally displace traffic onto what they call boundary roads. And I think that's the nub of it, that they've been introduced in a way that doesn't have full consultation. I call them COVID LTNs, by the way, just to distinguish them from previous ones, because a lot of them, I can speak specifically about where I live, but a lot of them are introduced in what they call emergency powers, which um, circumvents the full consultation process on the basis that they're temporary. My only quibble about that is everyone I've spoke to about them has every intention of making them 
So that's what a low-traffic neighbourhood is, in my experience. It's several roads at once being curtailed through traffic and quite often seeing an almost immediate increase in boundary road traffic. And just to add spice to the tale, invariably, in my experience, the roads that are closed are well-connected, often quite um, powerful, rich residents. And the roads that get the traffic, based on my experience, are the roads of people who are less well-connected, usually poorer, and quite often disadvantaged in other ways too. So that's my background. It probably sounds a bit sort of pointed, but I do live on a, a, an A road on Blackheath Hill, which has always been busy. Rich neighbours in West Greenwich closed their roads. It's now 24-7 busy as opposed to rush hour. So I see it every day through my window, and that's why sometimes I can understand why people get cross about the subject. Okay, all right. Thanks a lot. And um, Neil, what, uh, would you add anything or would you have any kind of yeah, different interpretations I mean, to what Paul was saying? In, in, in essence, I, will, I, I would agree with Paul in the sense that he's, this is certainly a scheme that uh, uh, it, it sort of means different things to different people. So much like Paul, I, I also live within a, a former LTN, the council that I, I the borough I live in, Ealing, um, has removed uh, the somewhat poorly named and infamous LTN 21 in, in, in Ealing, which was the largest one, I believe, by geographical area. Um, interesting, I, I found Paul's use of the word block, uh, something that has come up in the debate a lot in Ealing. Um, and the, the purpose of LTNs, from my perspective, is to, as he correctly points out, prevent through traffic from normally one boundary road to another the idea of which is really there's a carrot and a stick within the policy. So it is expressly intended to make uh, car usage less convenient um, and at the same time to provide uh, a more welcoming environment for for other forms of active transport, be that walking or uh, in some ways, I think probably the primary beneficiary was, was cycling in terms of the road space that was allocated to them. Um, the schemes are do certainly rely on inconvenience to a point in terms of, of car usage. Um, uh, in when we go on to discuss the nature of, 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 of the roads, certainly boundary roads sometimes do see an increase in traffic initially. They, they've existed for a long time all across London for a variety of reasons in Ealing. There's a low traffic neighbourhood over the back of the Ealing Broadway shopping centre, which was to, to manage traffic flow and, and near the Sainsbury's in, in West Ealing. Um, but, but also, um, really, I think that the, the crucial point with the, the low traffic neighbourhoods is, is, is to try and um, encourage people to make short journeys by, by ways of other than the car. Um, and in my local area, I was campaigning on a, a street the other day, which um, half of which is, 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 is either ex-local authority or current local authority. And again, it's been turned into a cut-through from uh, one A road to another in order to reduce travel times off uh, a, a main road, which tends to have very large, generously proportioned houses. So I, I, I'm not so clear the evidence about um, relative disadvantage is, in fact, clear-cut. And one of the things I would say about these schemes is sometimes claims tend to be anecdotal which has rather been the nature of the debate as they've been implemented in such a rush. Okay, all right. Um, thanks very much, both of you. So um, in terms of the history, I mean, you've 
because there, there's so forgive me if I'm wrong. There's a history of both of these in London, right? As and absolutely, certainly under different names, but kind of related policies or with similar stated aims. And then there's also uh, history beyond, kind of both in the UK and elsewhere. Um, and so, what are the so starting with you, Paul? What would be the main takeaways from those, or kind of the history of of um, no traffic neighbourhoods, both in, in London and abroad? I'll, I'll further find out where that's a big question, but... <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the history is, I mean, clearly, you know, they can work and they've been shown to work, but I think they work well when properly designed and consulted. I think quite a bit of the anger over the last six months is the fact that these schemes have been introduced in a hurry and they've not been thought through when the consequences become clear. And although, I mean... We're right to say that you've got to be very careful of the evidence. There's a lot of it contested. By way of um, information, there's one organisation that I have seen who are who are opinionated, but also rely on facts a lot called One Lewisham. And they have been very thorough about uh, indicating the impact of um, displaced traffic in Lee Green. Now, Lee Green's quite an important one because that's... A, where the traffic's being displaced to. And I think we all are aware of the recent coroner's case uh, where the young girl's death was attributed to Ebb. Mother is one of um, your colleagues in the Green Party. And, and she's been very clear that uh, low traffic neighbourhoods are not an end in themselves and where they go wrong, they should be considered. And they, to some extent, displace the argument about what we want to do with less traffic in London. I think my biggest bone of contention with them, they've sucked and the oxygen out of a much wider debate, um, which is, for instance, what do we do about freight? Live on a main road. I don't live in a low traffic network, I live on a main road. And my biggest bugbear is heavy traffic constantly pounding. Why is it other cities do it better? One of the questions. Ultimately, we're going to have to move to a real form of road pricing, partly because yeah, tax-based collapses on cars, but they're going to have to do road pricing. But none of that is discussed properly because we've set neighbour against neighbour. Um, we sort of tend to avoid the bigger arguments around what do we do about freight. Um, a lot of transport confidence in it has collapsed, and how do we bring that back? So I think the lesson words in a nutshell is they only work on a small scale where they're properly consulted. They're not the answer to reducing traffic in London, but is the debate about traffic in London ought to be much wider than low traffic neighbourhoods. By and large, they they don't really improve air quality. I don't think there's any evidence of that other than anecdotal. And if that's our main priority, as evidenced by the recent Corrins case and the forthcoming Environment Bill, which is likely to set legal enforceable air quality limits on the main roads in London and no one's thought what through what that means I think we have to be much more serious about our debate and my biggest problem with low traffic neighbourhoods is they set neighbour against neighbour okay all right thank you very much Paul um and uh, Neil yeah I mean I think we kind of touched on the the history of, of low traffic neighbourhoods and, and, and why they were sure. when they're not they're not new um, and I would certainly echo Paul's comment that they would, they've been brought in in a rush, and I think we'll, we'll come to that later on the, in the podcast, hopefully. Um, and uh, um, you know, the level of consultation was was far from far from desirable. But uh, again, in terms of 
the kind of the nature of the debate around them. I, I'm not necessarily here to defend uh, Ealing Council's policy or approach to sure. it because ultimately, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not a spokesman for for, for Ealing Council. Um, but I, I, I would I would again suggest that with, with regards to the, the 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 measuring of them because it's been so rushed and and COVID has has produced such variable and strange times. You know, we've been in lockdown for a long time. To what extent does a low traffic neighbourhood reduce traffic or the fact that there's a government instruction for people not to leave their homes they do so? And, and also, we're in a world now where obviously still a large number of people are reticent to catch a tube, train or, or a bus, which wasn't the case prior to March um, 2020. So trying to make comparisons to the precise impacts is, is, is really tricky. But what I do know from my own area, and again, I'm not sure this is going to be a theme I think that comes up is I'm not sure I recognize the the dichotomy Paul paints between roads within an LTN and and those on a boundary always for the start um, there are larger LTNs in Walthamstow that face bitter opposition (laughs) to start with um, which have subsequently become much more popular and have shown what's known as an evaporation of traffic people moving away from cars to, to, to other methods of transport and, and secondly, um, within the LTNs as well, there are many roads. Um, Ealing's own policy document impl- uh, suggests that one of the main east-west roads in the, the, the scheme that they've pulled out in West Ealing had a million car journeys a year each east-west and was well over the World Health Organization um, recommended limits that Paul referred to in the Environment Bill. And they're, they're not a solution by themselves, and very often they're only the beginning. And... Um, I, I can't. I, I won't defend the consultation because I don't think it is defensible. But that's a separate argument from whether they're schemes that work or not, and about the politics around them. Okay. All right. And so before we um, turn back to Paul, do you, uh, do, and just to guess, pick up on what you were saying there at the end, is um, is the issue around consultation and democracy? Is that would it be fair to say, Neil, that that's part of why they've been so controversial? Oh, I, I, there's there's no doubt. Um, uh, and I, I mean, you know, when we look at what, the wider issues about uh, climate change, the reality is, is that um, politicians, if, you know, Ealing has a stated goal of being carbon neutral by 2030, a climate emergency was for, was was declared by some of the very councillors that have removed this scheme uh, only six months after they declared this emergency, uh, it's 18 months after they declared this emergency, rather, and, um, you know, the if you are going to set a target of in 101 months being net zero in the borough and 19% of your emissions, according to your own report, are by car transport, then you have to do something about the level of car usage. And um, the, I, I absolutely agree. Road pricing is a great idea. It's coming. Other schemes are wrong. But, and and I, I agree with you, Paul. But the, but, the, but the reality is the urgency of which these of these local politicians who have set these targets themselves, um, you know, since the, 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 we've had just about one percent of the available time to reach this net zero target since they removed the ALTN, and there's no proposal to replace it. And I'm concerned the speed of change just isn't simply quick enough. Okay, all right, thanks, Neil and Paul. Um, did you kind of want to comment on why they've been so controversial? What to your mind is? Well, driving that? Uh, are, I mean, 
the reason quite a lot of councils have gone for them is they're what I call the low-hanging fruit of policymaking. Um, they make you popular in a small area and they're relatively easy to do. But the problem is they're really, um, they're what I call counting the pepper clips. Do you know, I mean, if, you, if, if we really wanted to, we're going to have to close the main roads to traffic if we follow through on the environment bill. And now China used to do this occasionally when their limits got so disastrous. So maybe we should be thinking about that. I think the other thing about them, why they have created so much tension, certainly in my book, look, I've lived on a main road for 30 years, right? And I knew what I was letting myself in for. But what really got me across was the social justice element of it. There are, you know, the roads that I'm talking about, and it, although I accept some of this is anecdotal, it's consistently anecdotal because it's the same thing that's happened in Lewisham and Enfield. It's rich residents' roads that get blocked through traffic and poor residents' roads that pick up the traffic. Now, that might be a short-term solution, but you can begin to understand, as someone, you know, the Labour Party's changed many things, but as someone who's been a member for 40 years, social justice should be at the root of this. And it's also fascinating that not a single Tory council has implemented these, even though... The main drivers behind it are Boris Johnson and Andrew Gilligan, who, by the way, adds up to my big dark figure because he lives in the road next door to me that's been closed to through traffic. He's got a massive beneficiary of it, so it, sometimes it can feel personal. So what it's done, if we're not careful, it's destroyed a coalition for change in London. You know, there was the Green Party, it was Progressive Labour, it was Liberal Democrats all said, we've got to do something about traffic, right? We've got to do something about restoring confidence in public transport. And we've all had a huge argument with each other over something that is, frankly, if we were going to implement it, it should be the last thing we implemented when we've sorted out the air pollution congestion on the main roads. But no one's talking about that anymore. And, you know, Sadiq Khan isn't that crazy guy, Will Norman, you know, who goes around sort of, you know, saying he's a wonderful guy. He has never once mentioned how do we get freight off our main roads and it's freight that kills cyclists he's never once addressed that issue and that's why you can see how people get a bit cross about this they've taken the low-hanging fruit they've looked after rich neighbors and they've ignored the main issues apart from that it's perfect okay and neil i feel like you uh, wanted to come in before we move to the next step. yeah i mean again <laughs> I, 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 there's an assertion there that the people that are living on the roads that are affected are definitively less disadvantaged, uh, are more disadvantaged. It, the, in, t in the LTN I live in, two of the roads which have the highest levels of illegal po uh, pollution, one is the cheapest residential road, with, is, is, is the cheapest residential road arguably within the LTN, the reason being that it's the one that was the main cut through and therefore it is the least, least desirable. Another one, which I was on, on the other day, has a substantial had a substantial number of, of local authority properties who presumably have a, a, a large number of social housing tenants. So, you know, in, in Ealing, the, the, we have a, um, a cabinet councillor who represents Ward North Holt West End, which is one of the most one of the most deprived in the borough. It's full of natural LTNs, and it's one of the most deprived. So. You know, when you build a new estate, and in the 1960s and 1970s when they built new estates, they frequently did so so that they weren't open to closed traffic. If you go to your local, if you go to your local council estate, it's very likely you can't drive through it. Well, I'm not disagreeing on the specifics, but I want to point out the reason we asked why was it so controversial. 
in quite a lot of cases, possibly not all, but in quite a lot, and I've named some of them, the people who benefited were very wealthy residents, as in Dulwich Village, and the people who were disadvantaged were people who live on main roads, and trust me, most of the main roads I know are private tenants, social housing, occasionally people like me, right? And the evidence is there. And your colleague in the Green Party, Deborah, would, would, that's the first thing she says about the South Circular Road and why she will not support low-traffic neighbourhoods in Lewisham. OK. All right. <laughs> so um, one thing that particularly, as in like a social scientist nerd, one thing that particularly interests me about this topic is that is the claim, and I'm, I'm not entirely sure... Uh, how to read the claim is but is the claim that um, this has been these have been kind of forced through at least in Ealing anyway and perhaps elsewhere with kind of special emergency powers related to the pandemic and I'm I'm really interested to know both your take on that so Paul do you want to start and then we can we'll move to Neil well only I mean I've, I've coined the phrase COVID LGMs because I do think they are different previous attempts to reduce traffic in specific areas and they're also all or nothing because you know there are gradations of traffic management we had a very long-standing issue in the local road where i live and they made it one way now it didn't stop all the traffic but it massively reduced the problem but because i think and there's a let's be clear there's a very aggressive lobby here um london cyclists london cycling campaign who've been after this for years and have captured the commanding heights of transport for London and a lot of Labour councils. And they are absolutely ruthless. I've spoke to several of them. Absolutely ruthless. They want no cars and they want this done immediately. And the reason you can't have consultation, they've told me, Paul, is people will object. Okay. Uh... And the best thing to do is rush it through and then after a couple of years, it'll all die down and we, London cyclists, have got what we want. And when you talk to people who are representing disabled people, they have a fraction of that influence and power. A fraction. Okay. Uh, Neil? Sorry, could you just remind me what the precise question was? Oh, so the question was about so about how or if um, there's been kind of some mechanism where... Like lots of special powers went out to lots of different people yeah. during the pandemic, uh, right? And I'm sure all three of us would agree that at least some of that is legitimate, right? Uh, but I just sorry. wondered how did that feed into into this instance? Yeah, so, I, I mean, I, again, I, I, I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but I do sometimes wonder whether in Whitehall, they, you know, there's, there's, there's the so-called phrase, never let a good crisis go to waste. And so I, I do wonder... In, in the Department of Transport somewhere where, where, where people did see an opportunity to, to try and change people's behaviour. Um, and uh, it, it, the consultation, again, to our, although I generally think streets-based schemes are a good thing in encouraging travel, you're not going to find me defending uh, Ealing Council or, or, or central government's approach to consultation with this. It, it's an object lesson in how not to, to bring people along with you. But I, I think... What I, I, I would reflect is that they were bought in in a rush for a, for a reason. And again, what you've got to come back to is whether you really view the level of traffic as being 100% essential and 100% fixed. And part of the justification for bringing them in was, you know, they were bought in normally over the summer um, as restrictions were being eased. And there was an expectation 
especially last year in the summer when vaccines weren't available, that people simply wouldn't get on a bus and they simply wouldn't choose to get on a tube train because, for understandable reasons, a large proportion of the population would obviously want to avoid public transport and, and, and that kind of social contact if they possibly could. That means that people would make journeys that they otherwise wouldn't have done by um, by by the road, and and you can see that now as we've unlocked traffic levels in London in the last two or three months have have demonstrably increased very uh, significantly because people don't want to use public transport at the moment. So the reason they were brought in was to, was to try and encourage other methods of journeys, particularly the short journeys. Two thirds of them in Ealing are five kilometres or less. Something that. Uh, uh, the vast majority of the population could cover, you know, if they were walking in about sort of 40 minutes or by bike in, in 10 or 15. And the idea was to try and try and transfer the choice uh, the, to provide a real choice of transport methods and to try and make people make those active travel uh, methods and manage the level of traffic. So they undoubtedly weren't brought in well, but they were brought in at the speed they were for, for a reason. And I, I think sometimes people have seen conspiracy when, when there isn't. Uh, what I would suggest, compare and contrast the attitude to School Street, and you may have a personal interest in School Street, yeah. where I've never met a single opponent of them because they serve a very direct purpose and they are limited in their application. And, you know, the more School Streets, the better. Compare and contrast with what's happened with low-traffic neighbourhoods. Because part of the problem, we were talking about that, yes, they were introduced badly, yes, several of them don't work properly, but what have the councils done in the vast majority of cases have doubled down and said, well, you're having them, like them or not, and, you know, and we're going to produce evidence that shows how great they are. And it's not a case of, well, let's listen, because, yeah, and why don't we address the main issue in this case, which is why won't people use public transport and how can we get them back to using public transport? You know, now that's not talked about. As I say, we pick the low-hanging fruit, we double down on it. We've got an aggressive, and I use that word advisedly, lobbyist group called London Cyclists, who will produce anyone who opposes them, including one senior member who tried to get someone sacked from his employer, and that's Christian Walmart on the record, and he's made no apology for that. In fact, he says, "I regret nothing." And if you're dealing with people like that, the idea of building a coalition the positive change to reduce freight. I mean, you know, one of the biggest things that, never mind um, cars exploding, it's fr it's public deliveries. We've all gone on Amazon. We're all having food delivered. All these vans are clubbing up the streets. There's a better way of doing that, but no one seems to want to talk about that because we're using all our energy on divide division, low-traffic neighbourhoods, which are a short-term, although they look like they're going to be permanent in some cases, answer to a problem they're not really solving which is reducing traffic in London. Okay, all right. Just before we turn to the next question, Neil, it looks like you wanted to come back in. Yeah, I, I mean, I, again, I mean, I'm not from the London cycling campaign. I'm not a member of the London cycling campaign. To comment again on, on school streets, they, they, they often are popular with, um, with, local, with local residents. Uh, one of the head teachers at a local school commented that, in fact, their school street was no longer necessary um, as a result of the LTM, because traffic levels have been reduced to uh, su such levels, and in fact, there's been a change to the to one of the streets um, within, within the LTN that, that that we're in in West Ealing, which 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 did make it one way. It, the LTNs are not 
the only solution. The only thing I would say is that they are relatively quick to implement and they do encourage this transfer, what's called modal shift. In other words, people choose not to make journeys by car over a short distance and they do generally then choose something else, partly because it's more pleasant to and partly because the car alternative is slightly inconvenient. The broader question is, Paul rightly alludes to this large range of other policy options that are available. I would suggest he mentioned closing major roads as the Chinese have done uh, early, earlier in one of his answers. And I do wonder if, if, if you think LTNs are controversial, I would imagine shutting the Uxbridge Road or, or the lower Boston Road in Ealing <laughs> would really get people going. So I, 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 one of the concerns I have is that sometimes the debate is presented as, do you want LTNs or not? Whereas actually the question really is, we have to drastically reduce road usage. Here are the options. Which one or which ones would you like? And the debate is too often framed as, should we have LTNs or not? Okay. So one another thing that I find particularly interesting about this issue is that you know all the major parties involved in this. I mean, so we've got so Paul's a a member of Labour, um, but not a you're not representing Labour as an elected representative. Um, Neil, you're going to be running next year for the Green Party. Um, is it? Um, and that, you know this is a Tory or Conservative Party funding slash policy, right? Um, the Lib Dems, um, you know that. Actually, locally, they oppose um, LTNs, um, but, um, you know, as a party, they accept certainly the, the science around climate change. Um, so this is a, a, an interesting issue because um, it, you know, no one really in the mainstream of British politics denies that something needs to be done around climate change. Right. So the issue comes to the debate around policy. Um, and so I just wondered um in, to your mind and i i guess we've i probably know the answer to this question for both of you already but like are they an effective tool in improving air quality and locally and then also what about larger environmental goals because i guess so i guess what like a, a simplistic way of thinking about it would be well clearly they would improve air quality within like say the five or six streets that they're implemented in but then if they don't lead to a drop in road traffic then it might not have any environmental impact but i just wondered like am i is, is that or or maybe that's too simplistic because the goal is actually to get people away from driving cars this, so um neil do you want to start and then we'll move to paul yeah so uh, i mean I, I think that there are two separate issues that are related one is air quality and one is is is, is carbon emissions and climate change electric cars are better than than internal combustion cars. There's no, there's no question of that. Studies seem to suggest that they are, they, they generate about a third of the carbon, um, because a lot of the, you know, there's, there, you, have, you still have to generate significant amounts of electricity, and also a large amount of the carbon that's produced in, in car usage is actually in the manufacture of the vehicle in, in, in its own right. So whilst they're better than inter like petrol or diesel cars. They're not a solution. Bear in mind, Ealing Council has set a target of being carbon neutral by um, 2030, 101 months' time. Well, you are unlikely to get there if you simply replace, even if you manage to replace all of the petrol cars and diesel cars with electric cars, you're still a long way from being carbon neutral because 
that these cars still use about a third of the same same amount. The, the other thing is, is most of the social problems you get from cars are, are are still the same with electric cars. They run people over, they cause congestion, they discourage the use of the road by other by other road users because they make the road inherently uh, a less safe place for them, whether they be walkers or people or people cycling. So uh, I think the point is, is that there has to be a reduction in traffic. LTNs are not the only solution. They will not take you all of the way there. But again, I come back to this target. An emergency declared by every single councillor in Ealing Council is 101 months ago, 101 months. Away. What is it that is going to be done that can be done cheaply within budget because these councils don't have endless money and quickly to have a dramatic impact? You have to do other things, but it. What I often found in this debate is there is a lack of alternatives. On one of the roads now in the LTN, there's a million car movements a year. What is going to be done to reduce that to very, very, very low levels? Because it has to be done quickly. And that, in reality, cannot be done by simply encouraging people out of their cars. There's going to have to be a way you enable people to travel another way. And also, politicians need to be honest there will be some inconvenience for the car users, car users, and that's unavoidable for all our benefits in the long run. Sure. Okay. And Paul? Well, it's sad, really, that the debate is focused on cars, can I say. And I get entirely what's been said, and I understand that. But if you want to make an immediate impact on air quality, just ban wood-burning stoves tomorrow, and it would have a huge impact. We all know that. And I sometimes wonder if it's because it's all the middle classes who have wood burning stoves that we don't do it, and they're increasingly the political class these days. But that would be a quick and simple solution. And coming back to traffic, it's the obsession um, with cars. When I say my big obsession, I put my obsession on the table, which is freight, you know, which kills far more cyclists than cars do, by the way. Although. I'm happy for that to be corrected. But, you know, they're the ones that cyclists worry about. They're big. And what are they all doing in the middle of London? I lived in Berlin. I never saw a big, heavy goods vehicle in the middle of Berlin. So there, there are ways of dealing with that. As I said, the explosion we've had in home deliveries, I think we could start to address that. The problem is they're a bit more complicated. You don't get a round of applause for doing it. And you have to put some serious effort and study into it. And we're all risk-averse from doing that at councils and TfL. So as I say... It comes back to my point. The biggest tragedy of low traffic neighbourhoods is that they destroyed a coalition that was willing to see change. Because we've set neighbour against neighbour, 50% of all traffic in London is on the red routes. Counts for 5% of their roads. That's what we should be talking about. How do we reduce that traffic? If you reduce that traffic, you make bus travel better and more reliable. But no one will talk about that. Because it's a bit too difficult because, you know, there's complications about who owns the roads and how do they reduce it. I was only half serious when I said what the Chinese do is when there's huge air pollution. They say, what they said is if your traffic number plate ends one, you can drive on a Tuesday. And if it ends in two, you can only drive on a Wednesday. Now, I mean, you know, that's the Chinese. We're not Chinese in terms of having a communist party. But that did drastically reduce pollution on particular days. We might be having to look at that in six months' time if we can't get the air quality right on the main roads because people will sue us. I'm up for suing people on my road if the air quality levels exceed the legal limit. And that's the Mayor of London's going to pull that up. 
but we will have a legal right to do it. And I just love if this podcast and all the conversations were, what do we do about the traffic on our main roads, including freight, that's destroying the lives of people who live there and use those roads? And okay, you have a quiet night's sleep in a low-traffic neighbourhood in Dulwich Village now. Well done. But it's no wonder people are angry. The social injustice of that approach and the amount of energy it's taken up is frankly disgraceful. Okay, all right. So, just before we um, before we wrap up, I just um, one final question, and I just wondered, do you think that the, so? Another interesting facet of this debate is, it feels to me at least like these might this debate foreshadows, and it's probably minuscule in comparison to the debates that we're all going to have to have over the next ten years, twenty years. 50 years right like my kids kids will probably be dealing with this these issues um when i'm long gone um it feels like they foreshadow debates around climate change um and so are there like do you do you think that's true and why and then are there kind of policy learning points that we can take away from this i guess we start with neil first it absolutely does um uh, I, I think um, one of the factors we're, we're, we're going to face as we try and tackle climate change is at the very best, our consumption will have to radically alter. At times, our consumption will probably have to reduce in order to hit these targets. Um, you know, again, sort of the, the, the government wanting to be neutral by 2050, Ealing Council is suggesting it wants to be neutral by by, by 2030. Well, to be neutral, 20% of its transport target is road usage. Okay, 20% of, of, of Ealing's carbon emissions are road usage. And it's one of the things that a council has quite a degree of control over because they are responsible for, for, for highways and, and, and transport to an extent. Um, it's essentially, you, you will not be able to do this by simply tempting people out of their cars with goodies. At some point, or, or road haulage out, you know, I mean, one of the things in the LTN was uh, we discovered that you you actually were getting more and more deliveries by bike uh, as the scheme went on. There was there were adaptions, so it, it's possible, and LTNs did seem to help a bit with that in in, in our local area, although again anecdotally. But um, essentially, the, the the bullet is going to have to be bitten at some point, and political leadership will have to be shown. And sometimes, I mean, the, the slogan that's been used uh, in Ealing is, is that you have to take people, have to take people with you. And, and to some extent, of course, that's ideally what you must do. And you have to be open and, and consult and, and provide people with that. I would say that in terms of the debate is so often, do we want to do this or not? And the answer is, this is where we have to go. Here are the realistic alternatives, road pricing, um, changing the way that we deliver things private car usage, how are we going to reduce all of these things and our impact? You have option A, B or C, one of which can be LTNs. But too often it's provided as shall we do it or shall we not? So it's not so much taking people with you as going nowhere fast. Okay, so it's either or rather than a spectrum, right? Is that... Yeah, is like and, and, and it has to be whatever the policy option is that it requires us to get to this point. So we can choose the way in which we get there where we're going is not negotiable and that that takes political leadership really 
Okay, all right. And um, Paul? Well, I think that's, that's a really good summary, really. I think, you know, when you think we're going to have to take out something like 20 million gas boilers from people's houses, because um, that's a huge contribution to the issues around climate change inside, quite how that's done. Um, but as I say, I suppose if, I would just look at some of the small streets of it, with, you know, popular approval, even though it inconvenience people, compare and contrast with that other traffic management scheme, low traffic neighbours, we can learn lessons from that. And coming back to your point, you know, that we've had drums through a thread, of why are people so angry about this? I think part of my anger is the social injustice of it. Um, as we issues, we're expecting the poorest to bear the biggest burden. And I take Greg's point about some of these roads, you know, obviously they're, um, they could benefit. But by and large, if you look at the red routes in London, that's where the majority of residents are disadvantaged, either in terms of income or other issues in terms of disability and so on. And we forced traffic onto their roads willingly, and then ignored their protests. And you can put the disabled in the group of that whose lives have been hugely impacted by, by some of this. And I think the lesson learned is you can't a good society on the backs. Now, that's a dramatic statement, but I think that's why this issue has ignited such controversy that it looks like a group of advantaged residents to people are pushing through legislation and I think we've got to think similarly about that about all the connected issues about climate change and behavioural change do we need try and do it the way we've done in the last six months you just end up with division okay all right well thank you both very much Paul and Neil um I Thank very you. much enjoyed meeting and talking to uh, to Enjoy both of the you. Parents, <laughs>